Thanks so much for tuning in today. I, I'm so glad that we are one church in multiple locations. I want to say hi to those who are watching from our Alder Grove campus. I'm so glad that you are gathered today to worship together. I, I, and actually, I hear of many different places that people are watching and listening to us throughout the week. And if you're not at the Alder Grove campus, if you're watching on a platform that allows you to comment, let us know where you're watching from. Someone actually told me last week that they were that they were listening on the Coquihalla. Now, if you're driving, I really hope you're not watching, but whether it's you're on vacation, or whether you're, whether you're at home or whether you're traveling, wherever you are, let us know where you're watching. We want to hear from you. Last week, we started this brand new series called Change Before You Have To. Oh, now, over these next few weeks, we are, we're going to be digging into an Old Testament prophet named Elisha. And that last week, we began this series where we talked about a bald prophet, we talked about butts, and we talked about barbecues. <laughs> and I, I know, I know that sometimes this term prophet, it might be an old word, and sometimes we might not know and we might not be too familiar with that word. And last week, we took a little bit of time and explained what a prophet was all, what, what it was all about and what it meant to the Israelites during that time. Now, if you missed that, you're always welcome to watch on any of our, any of our messages on our YouTube channel. If you did miss it or, or you need to be reminded, we talked about how a prophet was, he was someone who was, who was to remind the Israelites of who they were. He was to remind them of where they came from. And he was, he was to remind them of who God called them to be. They were to be a light to the world around them. And if you're a Jesus follower, if you call yourself a Christian, this is still your mandate. In the Old Testament, the prophets would warn people against worshiping other gods. They would they'd warn them against aligning with other countries who would lead them away from God. And they would always be talking about taking care of injustices that they saw in their world. Last week, we looked at how Elisha showed up on the pages of the Bible, and he decided that he was going to follow what God had called him to do and, and make a huge change. We chatted about how often we need to change, and, and that most people, they want change, but the fact is, when it comes right down to it, changing is really hard. And when Elisha made a change, he, he made sure that he couldn't go back. We know that when we follow God into what he wants to do, do, when we follow God into what he wants us to do, things always get tough. And when things get tough, people are always tempted to go back to the comfortable. Elisha eliminated the, the temptation to go back with what was familiar to him by slaughtering his oxen and he, he had a barbecue. So we encouraged you to think about some of the things in your life that you need to change. And I, I encourage you to close that chapter on that part of your life and, and move on. We know that for some people, change happens way too late and they're, they're actually forced to change. And we don't want that to happen to you. We, we're really encouraging all of us to think about change before you have to. Today, we're going to look at another story on this prophet of Elisha, and we'll be in 2 Kings chapter 4 today, and you can turn there now if you like. Today, today we're going to talk a little bit of what it looks like to start with just a little. Start your change with just a little. Today, we're going to, be look, at the, we're going to look at the fact that sometimes when we face an issue in our lives, we sometimes, we don't know what to do. We, we, we might panic. We might blame other people. We might brainstorm of how we can get out of this. And some people think that maybe the problem will just go away all by itself. But maybe, maybe we need to take the approach that Elisha took with the, with the poor widow that we're going to look into today. Today, we're, we're going to look at a story from Elisha. We're going to see what he taught her. 
and how she got out of this jam. She just, she started with what she had and she started with just a little. So let's read this story from 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who you served is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. This this is a sad story. Her husband had died. Now she's left taking care of their two sons. And there wasn't the social systems that we have in place today. There There was no life insurance. There was no welfare. And we find that this woman has come under hard times. Now, during this time, if you had a debt to pay and you couldn't pay it back, you might sell your kids into slavery, or you might even go into slavery yourself. Now, back then, women, there were really no jobs for women. They they were unemployable. There was no job for a woman to do, and she was stuck. This creditor wanted money, and there was nothing that she could do. Now, according to some Jewish tradition, many believe that she was the wife of Obadiah. Now, he was, he was another one of the long line of prophets that, that were calling the Israelites back to God. There's actually a book about him in the Old Testament, and his, his story is recorded there. Now, if this is true, that she was the wife of Obadiah, she, having financial trouble, would have made total sense because Obadiah, he was known for protecting and providing for 50 other prophets. Now, that probably would not be cheap. Many times, prophets would run, would be on the run and, and they'd spend their lives on the run. They'd spend a lot of their, of their lives in hiding, maybe, maybe paying others to take care of them and protect them. They needed protection because a lot of their messages were trying to correct the powerful in their country. And if you spoke against the leaders of their country, you'd be in a lot of trouble. And they always had ways of silencing you. And it wasn't ever nice. So we have this woman, what, maybe in her 30s, and she's taking care of her two sons, and she has no way of employment, and and, and she, she can't take care of their needs and even pay their debts. I can't imagine being there. I can't imagine having nowhere to turn, not being able to to get the help that she desperately needed. She's lost her husband and probably dealing with mourning his death. And now to add to all this pain, she has to take care of her two sons all by herself. And now she's dealt with this, the the fact that she has this this creditor and, and this creditor is not giving her any grace. He wants his payment add it all up. She's got no way of paying her debt. She's lost everything. She, she, now if she doesn't get a miracle, she's about to lose her sons. So she, so she doesn't want to sell her sons into slavery. She does all that she thinks that she can do. She, she goes to the prophet who for so many people has done so many miraculous things. The story continues in verse two. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked, tell me what you have in the house. Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. This unnamed widow goes to Elisha. And I love the approach that Elisha takes. He doesn't say, oh, that's too bad. Have a great day or I'll pray for you. He goes really practical. He asks, how can I help you? I love this question. He's asking this person that's in need what they want. He's, he's trying to find the real problem to help with the change. 
Sometimes I find that when we're approaching a problem, the person solving the problem sees a different problem than actually needs to be solved. (laughs) They view it differently than the person who's actually having the problem. The first step to solve any problem is identifying the real problem. Because if you don't know the problem, you can't find the right solution. If, if, if we can't identify the problem, we can't solve the problem. Now, if you lived through the 80s, you might remember the, the Polaroid camera company. They had, they had this cutting edge technology where you could take a picture and instantly, and I guess when I say instantly, it was a few minutes, but it was 80s instantly, <laughs> but pretty quick, a picture would start to appear in the print right out of the actual camera. It was revolutionary. I thought it was pretty cool. It, it, was, it was different from the other cameras out there. If, if you had another camera with film in it, it might take weeks or months because you had to finish off the roll. What were there, 12, 24 shots in the roll? Or, or get home from your vacation and drive to the photo center, drop the film off, get them printed from the photo lab. You always got doubles. I don't know why, but then go back and pick them up. This taking a picture and seeing it right away was great technology. It was instant kind of sounds like the cameras we have today. But in the late 90s, Polaroid was finding that the digital camera was becoming more and more popular, and they were instant as well. And they were wondering, what should we do? And they were actually, they were actually selling quite a bit of their own digital cameras. But they were wondering, how are we going to react to the, the change in the market as more and more digital cameras were produced and were out there? Polaroid didn't change with what the market was dictating. They made a decision that they were in the printed photo business. Hmm. I wonder how different their history would have been for them if they changed before they had to and figured out that they should be in the taking pictures business, whether it was printed or not. There was a huge difference. They didn't change and they found out when it was too late. The problem that they solved was the print photo problem. But that wasn't a problem people wanted solving. That wasn't a a problem that needed to be solved. They, the, the consumer wanted to see their pictures instantly, but in a different way. So in October, 2001, Polaroid filed for bankruptcy. They were solving the wrong problem. They didn't change before they had to. They weren't ahead of the curve. But Elisha, he took a better approach. He didn't tell this woman what he thought that she needed. He paused and he asked a great question to find out what she wanted. And he asked, what do you want? It's important because I know that real solutions only come when we're able to identify the real problem. So when you have a coworker, when you have a family member, when you have a a neighbor come to you with a problem, this is a great question to ask. Don't, don't just tell them what you think they need. Ask them, what do you want? What do you want? A great question. We need to learn to help them with what they want to be helped with. And, and, and I really believe when you do this, it gives them respect and honors them by making yourself available like Elisha did. And it's actually what Jesus did too. When people came to Jesus to be healed, he was constantly asking, what do you want? 
And he even asked that even when we think it might be obvious. So after Elisha asks her what she wants, uh, Elisha asks her what she has. I think, I think that's another great question. He's, he's trying to help her find out how she can help herself. What's in your house? And she replies with nothing. <laughs> but then quickly realizes she has something. I find it also interesting that when we are hurting, we focus on what we don't have and not what we do have. When we are hurting, we often forget what we already have. So Elisha's saying, well, let's start with what you have and let's go from there. So Elisha asks, what do you have? Let's start there and then we'll see how God can help you. Sometimes uh, I, I think we get blinded by what we don't have and we miss what we already have. This is where this woman was. And I, I know that it's, uh, it's always e easier to see things when you're not in the midst of a problem. So she says, I only have one small jar, one small flask of olive oil. Now, historians tell us that olive oil had lots of uses, uh, lots of different uses. It, it was used for cooking. It was, it was used for fuel and lamps. It was used for moisturizer. Jews also used it to, to give an offering to God. And you probably have olive oil in your house today. We still use olive oil today. Now, I'm sure this might have been the most valuable thing in her house. Maybe, maybe it was the last thing that she hadn't sold to pay off her debts. Uh, I sometimes think we wish we had more so we can make an impact. If I just had more, I could make an impact. We, we wish we could have more so we could do something significant. I think that God is telling this woman, don't wait. Start with what you have and go from there. What do you have? No matter how small you think it is, if you're willing to, for it to be used, it can make a difference. So here's Elijah's advice in verse 3. And Elisha said, borrow, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Verse 4, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Verse six says, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she told one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what's left over. So, we have this woman who's given some pretty specific instructions to help her with her problem. Go to your neighbors, go to your friends, and borrow as many jars as possible. Now, I don't think Elisha told her what the plan was, but she followed the instructions. Remember, we learned last week that we don't always know the whole plan when we start. But we see that in God's hand, a little is infinitely more than nothing. So maybe when you're looking to change, start with something small. You know, if you're trying to lose weight, don't try and drop 50 pounds in a week. Maybe drink an extra glass of water a day. Take, take two long walks throughout the week. Start with a little. If you're looking to start your relationship with Jesus, don't make it your goal to read the whole Bible in a week. Raise someone from the dead during your first week of following Jesus. 
Maybe take five minutes a day and read your Bible. Read, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start with that. Join a life group. Commit to coming on the weekend. Start small. Start with what you have. She was asked to do something. If you're looking for a change or a miracle, remember, action is always connected to change and miracles. Your situation won't change unless you do something. Your problem is not going to go away all by itself. But the good news is, it doesn't have to start with something big. You have to start, maybe start with something small. She needed some change to happen in her life. She needed a miracle. She was given instructions and she followed them. This unnamed woman took a step of faith and God showed his faithfulness. When you're in need, don't focus on what you don't have. Maybe we should stop waiting for what we don't have and start working with what we do have. When you take a step of faith, God will show his faithfulness. I think sometimes we, we can't think, we, we, we can't do something because we don't have enough. We, God says, take what you have and use it. We aren't responsible for what we don't have. <laughs> We're just responsible with, God, with what God has given us. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. If you have time, use it. Even if it is as simple as a jar, like we saw with this woman's story, use it. Find out what you have and use it to be able to change before you have to. Start with a little. Let's pray today. Father, as I pray today, I'm imagining people who are needing change in their lives. Lord, they're, they, they're, they're seeing the situation in their lives that they just, they don't know how to get over. Lord, I don't know what situation they're facing, but God, I pray that they might take this step of faith that Elijah encouraged this woman to and just start with something small. Speak to people even today, right now as they're watching and listening, help them to see what this small thing is that they can start. And God, we know that when you allow, when we start with something small, you often take it and make it big. So thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you, Jesus, for your insight. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's go into the question of the day. This is an opportunity to think about what we've just talked about. Take, take some time with who you're watching with, or if you're listening alone, take a moment and ask yourself this question and answer it honestly. And here's the question of the day. What small change can you start with in your life this week?
this unnamed widow was at her wit's end. If something didn't happen, her sons would be sold into slavery. Is there a situation in your life that you need to pay attention to? And if there's no action, you or someone you know might be in trouble. Maybe, maybe there's a relationship that you see isn't going where you want it to be going. You know that if you don't do something, this will not end well. What do you have? Start with a little. What can you start small with right now? Maybe, maybe you feel like you should be volunteering at the church. Start small. Maybe, maybe start greeting on a Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe you feel like you want to get to know your neighbors. Well, start with a little. How, how about starting with getting to know their names? <laughs> Before you go on a month-long vacation with them through Europe, <laughs> how about invite them over for dessert and coffee just one night? Maybe you've been thinking about your money and you understand that everything that God gives you is probably not for you to consume. And maybe you want to start giving. Start small. Pick a percentage of your total income. And, and, and let me tell you, I'm not out to get your money. If you don't know us well enough, if you don't trust us, find an organization that you trust. Give it somewhere where you know that they're going to make a difference in someone else's life. But just start. Start with a little. You might think, I'm not, good at provi- I'm not a good provider for my family because I, I don't make sick figures. We can't go on fancy vacations. We, I can't get my kids the latest toys. But you have the chance to be home every night and be a good parent with your kids. You have time. Start with what you have. Take with what you have and use it. Now, may- maybe, maybe another thing is you know someone in your life who's in need. Is there someone who, in your life who you need to ask, what do you need? Even this this week. Maybe your start is just simply asking them, what do you want? Whatever change you were looking at in your life this week, start with what you have and start small. Romans chapter 16, verse 26 and 27 says this, but now as the prophets foretold and as the internal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you have a great week. Hope to see you back here next week.